Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway and set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Corey Compton from mile number 23. Corey is someone that I had the pleasure of meeting on a few of our tri-team rides earlier last year. We have kept in touch via Facebook as most people are doing these days. I learned about his military background, his family life, as well as a few of his health issues that he has overcome with nutrition, exercise, and positive attitude. Honestly, he is a perfect fit for the Weathered Athlete Podcast. I am appreciative of his willingness to open up about the autoimmune storms he has faced. As a parent of a son with Crohn's and a healthcare professional, I love his military analogy to describe autoimmune diseases and the treatments that are currently used. The best part of doing this podcast is to be able to take a journey with people and how they arrived at their present day self. I can promise Corey's outlook on life and the steps he is taking on aging can benefit every one of us. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Corey. What's up, buddy? So, how you been? Good, man. Real hey. good. Still up. I just got back from the gym, so uh, just ate something and put some thought in everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no worry. You know, we're basically just going to have a conversation. It's good to see you, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to see you, too. I see all the medals in the back. I like that. Yeah, well, I don't didn't get any last year, and we'll see if I get any this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about finishing, right? You know. <laughs> I know it, it's it's just so interesting. You know, are you doing anything coming up? Do you have any races? I'm gonna do that that uh, that run bike run next weekend. Okay, I'm gonna do that. It, you know, and I'm not gonna really push myself. I know some of those guys are looking for personal best and stuff like that. Because I'm doing the uh, <clears throat> David Goggins. Yeah. Got a, comes out the next weekend, um, four by four by 48, and uh, I'm jumping in on that. So that's going to take a lot more, you know, stick to it and miss than an hour of run, bike, run, you know? <laughs> well, actually, let's start there because that was on my list that I didn't include for you. I wanted to find out about it. So how would you hear about that and tell me more about it? The, what are you talking about? The, the Dave Goggins, the 4 by 4 by 48 Well, I think he's been doing his challenge. Um, I don't know how many years he's been doing it, but, he, you know, obviously he, he's an ultra runner and he basically runs every day and pretty much brutalizes himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, you know, I don't know if you know his background, but he was a yeah. Navy. He, he was pretty much in every military service except for the Marine Corps Special Ops. And so he's just got this this crazy mindset, driven mindset, and it kind of inspires, you know, uh, us crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people like people are like pain in life, right? Yeah. And so uh, 
So the four by four by 48 is four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So it ends up being 48 miles. Okay. My, my whole thing, premise behind it is I, I, I'm 49, but I, I just turned 49. So I, you know, basically four by four by 48 by 48 at, at 48 years old, you know? So, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my thought. So, and, and he's doing an inspirational uh, video every four hours right before you go out he's going to come on and talk so it's kind of it's, it's kind of cool and, and i'm kind of in that community too you know just like with um the uh tt uh, tt yeah yeah you know, there's a community there as well so it's you know yeah that's awesome i saw you posted that and i thought that was pretty i thought that was pretty cool you know yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I felt like, hey, you know, this is a great time. I've never done an ultra. I know you've done a couple. And, uh, I, you know, it, it's more or less for me trying to figure out, like, am I going to run, walk? You know, am I going to run the whole thing? And, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid that I'm not going to finish it. It's just more or less the strategy going into it, you know. Yeah, because no, you don't get much time in between there. no. And then the feeling on the backside, yeah, you know that's that's kind of what I'm in in personal awake, awakening. You know, when you put yourself in a position like that, you you learn a lot about yourself. <laughs> you know, so I'm looking forward to that learning learning about myself a little bit. <clears throat> that, that's cool. You know, like we talked before, the thing that I really love about doing this podcast is other than you just seeing you to do a ride or a run or something. I get to dig into kind of your background and the people that I talk to because I just love the journey that's gotten you to wherever you, wherever you are right now. So I want to go back if you don't mind, and I want to try to find out more about you because I think it's such a cool thing because um, we just be a little snapshot, and I'd like to know more about about you. So where'd you grow up? Well, I was born in, in Ohio, okay. in Columbia, the Buckeye State, and um so before, you know, before I was cogn top cognitive and understood what life was about, we moved to Virginia. So I was two years old. And so I grew up in Virginia and, um, <clears throat> you know, had a, a, you know, great parents, a great life growing up. And, um, you know, just, you know, I know me and you had talked about fitness and whatnot, but from day one, I pretty much, you know, ball, this is ball, you kick it, you run, you, you know, <laughs> find it that kind of deal so you know sports just became a part of who I was part of part of my DNA okay yeah. <clears throat> so you know so I grew up there graduated and then um went into the military service into the Marine Corps after high school okay so then I bumped around and and, and found a home in North Carolina after uh, I'd gotten out of, of the Marine Corps so kind of been between North Carolina and Virginia since then. Okay. You know? <clears throat> How long were you in the Marine Corps? I was in the Marine Corps eight years. Okay. So I went during uh, the, um, the conflict, the first conflict over in Iraq with Desert Storm. Okay. So I was in at 90 to about 98. So uh, it was obviously a pretty interesting time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. real active. Eight years was pretty active. I was always on call to go somewhere and whatnot. There was always some some type of conflict going on. <clears throat> yeah, we'll get to that because I'm sure that's also influenced uh, 
things now with you and everything you've gone through. Uh, I'm sure the military had some had a good foundation for that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been doing any triathlons? I know. Are you just starting into it? I, I really have just started, but what's interesting is um, <clears throat> when I was in the Marine Corps. Th this is an interesting story you'll find, Pete. Um, Iron Man was actually started in the late seventies by by a couple of Navy SEALs. I don't know if you know the history of it. Yeah. But when I, I, I was very aware of that in the Marine Corps, and I was I was a avid runner, and um, you know I worked out pretty much every day and whatnot. So when I went into the Marine Corps, I knew what Iron Man was, I knew what triathlon was, but never really tested myself in that arena and whatnot because I was still focused on trying to find a career and education and different things like that kind of growing up. Mm -hmm. So interesting enough in the, in, in, in the Marine Corps boot camp, they have a, uh, a thing called Ironman, which is, which was equated to what the Ironman, you know, with the Navy SEALs has started, but they kind of labeled it that to say, Hey, this, you know, whoever gets this label is, is the toughest individual in the, mm -hmm. in the battalion in their battalion, training battalion. And so, ironically enough, I ended up winning that title, you know, right, and I found out a day before I was going to graduate that I was the battalion Ironman. So, oh. so basically what that consisted of is a three-mile run, um, as many pull-ups as you could do, and then uh, as many sit-ups you could do in two minutes. And so, I, you know, I was, at the time, I was a big runner, so I, I blazed blaze the run and pull-ups and everything like that. So, so out of, I think it was, you know, 800 recruits or something like that in the battalion. I was, I was, I was the Iron Man. So that was, that was a pretty interesting thing growing up that, you know, and so that fitness, that whole idea of moving and um, getting better every day just, you know, became part of who I was, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a pretty nice thing to have that nice badge there. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, you know what's funny, Pete, is I, they gave me a, a medal and a certificate, and I could not find those things. Obviously, when you get older, that kind of stuff means a lot more to you when you're young. You just kind of, whatever. Yeah. You know, I can't find them. You know, my mom, mom doesn't have them. So it's, it's, it's that, That's funny. Uh, what type of work do you do? So I'm, I'm in sales. Um, I've been in sales for over 20 years now. Okay. So I travel around. I mean, I actually sell school buses. So I work with um, public division, school divisions and private school divisions. And um, to be quite honest with you, I don't look at it as work because every day I go, you know, it's fun. It's so much fun. It's, it's not work to me. You know, I just enjoy being with people and, you know, just the community we have and, you know, the people that I work with are just ph phenomenal wonderful individual. So it's like, I'm, I'm not going to work. I'm going to play. I'm, you know, I'm going to have a good time. And, and, and that, it makes it a lot easier going to work every day. You know, yeah. When you yeah. So how's that work with COVID now? Are you remotely or are you still going out and traveling around? Um, you know, it slowed down quite a bit at the first start of, of COVID. Um, but you know, school, school systems are starting to open back up. So we're, we're starting to get more involved. But, I read a book during that time. I, you may have heard of it. Um, it's called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, and it actually came out during COVID. And so 
basically it's like a narrative of his, a scrapbook of his life and, you know, green light, red light, yellow light, that kind of deal. And, okay. And so, like when COVID started, me and my wife sat down. I can, I can still remember the conversation we had. It was like, you know, the mid part of March. And, and I told her, I said, you know, you, we can look at COVID as a big red flag and shut everything in our life down and, you know, and, and just kind of become a hermit and whatnot and, and live in fear. And, uh, and so we decided that day, it was mid-March, that, hey, with empathy, obviously with empathy and, and with a lot, you know, with um, responsibility, we, we took the green flag. So I, you know, so basically what I did is put the accelerator down in areas of my life that I had never touched before. You know, we, that's when I really started pushing in on triathlon. So, you know, that's kind of bringing you around. So during that time, I don't know if you remember, Iron Man was doing um, VR yeah. uh, sessions where they would, they would run like a sprint one week and then they would run like an uh, Olympic and then they would, they never ran a full Ironman, but they, they would run like halves. Yeah. So what I started doing is I was already in decent shape at the time. So in, in already doing some biking and, and running, I, you know, at the time you couldn't get in the pool. So most of their events were run, bike, run. Yeah. So every weekend for like three months, I would do, you know, if they have a sprint or an Olympic, I would do the full Full deal. So I did several halves, um, several Olympics, several sprints. So then I started getting a little bit faster and started to enjoy it a lot more. And that's when I hooked up with you guys. Yeah. Um, started riding a little bit. But um, I had already always thought of when I got out of the Marine Corps that I would get into that because I knew um, the connection. Obviously, when when I went through boot camp and how I was connected back to a couple of Navy SEALs, and I always had thought, hey, if those guys can do it, we certainly, the Marine Corps can certainly, <laughs> can certainly pull that off, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, That's nothing, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, on and off for years, but really honed in this last year for a triathlon has been big for me. So, green flags all year long, you know, I learned how to do a small basement garden, I just, I explored areas of my life that I had never touched before. Yeah. You know, I look at it as like, this is an opportunity. To me, COVID was a silent separate. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of people that waved the red flag and went over into the pits, but I went into the pit and went outside and went out to a different track and, yeah. and just put the pedal to the metal just to learn, you know. And, um, and so I think coming out of COVID now that, it, it's a different, you know, I, I'm a different person, you know, yeah. but this year was a really good year for us. And again, with all empathy and every, what everybody went through, yeah, my hearts go out to those individuals that lost individuals. Um, but it, for, for us, it was, a, it was a, a really good year. Yeah, I think that's awesome. When it came to, you know, COVID, I think it's one of those things in the beginning, you know, I struggled, I had a hard time. But also, I didn't see, like, at work, we really slowed down because I'm in healthcare. So we got to the point where we really weren't doing much. And there was question, you know, and we were trying to find work um, in the beginning, because no one wants to come out. And then all of a sudden, after about two months, we got so busy and we've been nonstop busy ever since. So I really haven't had that, that break um, since then. 
And, you know, it's, it's been a challenge, I think, for a lot of people to try to stay focused. Um, so I, I think this past year should be a year of rebuilding. Um, and hopefully we come out of it, you know, again, more appreciative of what we, you know, what we had. Absolutely. The gratitude is huge, you know, that, um, it, you know, and, and again, that's something that during COVID, that's something I kind of adopted a, uh, <clears throat> I read, I, I read parts of a book called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Yep. And basically what it is, is, um, you know, I was, you know, with my faith and every and, and whatnot, I always had a time in the morning a quiet time in the morning, meditation and prayer and whatnot. But, but with, with how, what he teaches is basically acronym savers, which S means silent for a certain period of time. A means an attitude of gratitude. The V means visualizing yourself, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, you know, E is um, exercise, which exercises is definitely a big chunk of what I do. And then, R is um, read, and then S is scribe. So I, what I do is take five minutes every morning, and, you know, I've got my journal here, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just write what I'm thankful for, take, you know, what I'm going to accomplish that day. It, and it, it's just, and again, that's something that COVID, COVID allowed me to slow down and kind of establish that discipline. You know, and so I, I've been able to maintain that discipline. Obviously, not seven days a week every week, but pretty much four or five days a week. I'm doing that. That uh, the miracle morning is what is what I you know what Hal calls it. But um, it's exciting. It's a new it's a new discipline from COVID. Yeah, actually, I found that probably about eight months to I don't know sometime in the summer. I would think I found that, and actually, so I'm part of that the Facebook group. So they get stuff coming up to me all the time. So yeah, I haven't read the book yet, but I have tried to adopt some of that stuff as well. And, and trying to, to journal and trying to take more time in the morning and then evening kind of wrap up my day. And again, I'm, I'm not consistent with it. I'll be honest. Um, but I do notice a difference when I do actually do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel so much better and more grounded. I think when I do do that every day. Absolutely. I do too, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you've had some health issues. Absolutely. It's been a journey. <laughs> when did they start? So I would say Pete, probably late thirties. Okay. Early forties is when um I started noticing um you know some changes that you know up until that point, um you know, like I told you before, I always exercised, but I just felt like, you know, I started earning more money at work. So life started becoming more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I started doing less. I was less active, eating more, you know, watching more TV, just, you know, dreaming about, you know, bigger houses and <laughs> bigger cars and different things like that. You know, be a, a lot more domesticate. Yeah. And so um, I started in late my late 30s i started like just starting to feel a little more fatigued than usual and then i just kind of chalked it up to getting older or whatnot and started having some aches and pains and you know things that you would normally get when you were exercising and so um back in uh the first part of 2000 the early 2014 
I started having some some major issues and uh, we had just moved and I had made a, a major life change from a job standpoint. And my wife and I had just moved with the kids. And um, I started having like a lot of nerve pain, you know, and some dizziness and different things like that. And so I went in, I was mowing the grass one day and I noticed that I had a tick. So I went in, but I, I had these um, symptoms up until I had, you know, uh, up until when I found this particular, this, I had this event with the tick. So I went in, they put me on meds and I felt horrible, you know, it, and so they labeled me with Lyme's disease at the time. And so, you know, they were hoping that the medication would reverse the, uh, all the symptoms I was having. Well, it just ended up getting worse. And so by the end of that year, I was feeling terrible, and then I I got hit with um, Bell's palsy, you know, where side of your face yeah. goes, goes limp. So we got some family pictures with the side one side of my face that went sheerly limp, and uh, and so I look back on that, and that's kind of a reminder too. I, I got a lot a lot of um, stones that I piled along the way for me to remember certain things, but um, so I went through that. That probably lasted. You know, obviously, it's a pretty short process, um, bells, but some people have long-lasting issues with it. Um, I, you know, as you get older, you definitely battle it a lot longer. But I got over it in probably a month or so. So then, still wasn't feeling great, Pete. You know, still struggling with, um, you know, chronic fatigue, headaches, you know, just just aching all the time. Just didn't feel well at all. And so... Um, again, at this point, all I knew was, hey, you know, I, I got to go into the healthcare system. You know, I, it wasn't, I really wasn't looking inward. What could I change or anything? So then what really scared me was um, I started having uh, vision issues. And so, you know, I was like, you know, what's going on? Is it related to the Bell's palsy or whatever? So I went in and they diagnosed me with a, with a uh, real rare disorder called uveitis. And so typically what happens with uveitis is they treat it and it goes away. It's inflammation of the eye. So basically everything I was experiencing was inflammation in, in different parts of the body. And so what's scary is and what I tell people is that like when you get inflammation, say you get, you know, Crohn's disease mm -hmm. or you get diagnosed with colitis or whatever, you're probably going to have something else going on eventually in your body. So colitis, it, then it could be, uh, you know, Hashimoto's and, you know, there's, there's a hundred, probably a hundred autoimmune diseases now that people fight with. Well, so anyways, he treated me, it went away, you know, and so um, I was kind of cool, but I still felt horrible. And so I went back and, and all of a sudden, I think it was near the end of the year. Um, autoimmune usually flares during cold, cold, cold times of the year. So it was the end of the year, and um, and I pretty much lost vision. You know, it was it was I had a flare. So I went in, and I was sitting there, and he told me like, if we don't get this inflammation down, you could be blind in six months. So at that point, you know. I was starting to wake up. I was starting to see that like, hey, this is not going to work. Me going back and letting him treat me for the next 
you know, 40 years, however long I live, this is not going to work out. So over the next three or four months, he was treating me. We were getting on some type of uh, immune, you know, the immune suppressants. Um, but I was also having MS symptoms. So my doctor was saying, hey, you know, you know, you're having, you're shuffling your feet, you know, you're, you're struggling here. You know, we mm-hmm. may have something else going on. So that was the point in which I said, enough is enough. I was in a deep, deep state of depression. Mm-hmm. My wife and kids thought I was going to pass away. Um, it, it was, it was, it was horrific. I mean, it was really, really dark. I, I mean, I, honestly, I'd never been in that. I'm pretty outgoing guy, guy and I'd never really been depressed. Yeah. But I, I went into a deep, dark depression. You know, my mom was worried about me. Just everybody in my family, you know, was affecting my kids. And it went on for a good six months, six, seven months. So I was, we were moving. We, we were lit, renting a place at the time. And we were in the process of moving to another house. And so I kept telling my wife every day, I said, I'm going to figure this thing out. This is not, something is wrong. You know, so they're telling me, and, and, and so I describe autoimmune disease as the medical field describes it as like friendly fire. Mm-hmm. So your body's fighting your body and it's destroying itself. Okay. So it's like friendly fire, you know, where, you know, and I, and I, and I talk in, in, in military terms just mm-hmm. because I'm in the military. <laughs> you know, you got a group of troops and, and a plane flies over and drops bombs accidentally. On, you know, it, and that's basically the way they describe what I was facing is. But when I started digging in and started researching, I realized that it was more than friendly fire. It was more or less my body was being overran, and my body was calling in, um, you know, bombs and ammunition on on those cells and destroying those cells because of troublemakers. Mm-hmm. And so I started, and it wasn't just my body just killing itself, you know, and so if, with friendly fire. So I started doing the research and I said, you know, what if I change lifestyle? Is there a way that I can remove all these troublemakers? And so troublemakers being meaning infection, uh, virus, all this. So I, so I did the research and I started eating foods and changing my lifestyle. And um, I, I tell you what, your body is a miraculous God. God made, and actually, I'm a man of faith, but God made our bodies. I mean, a mirac- we are miraculous healers if we give ourselves what we need to do to heal. And so I started feeding myself through research uh, foods that would heal my body and, and remove these. And I'm telling you, you can ask my wife, it was two or three months. I was a completely different person. I started to dig out of this hole. Then I started exercising more and different things like that. So I would say after about six months of me hitting it pretty hard and pretty much eliminating, um, you know, 100% processed foods, um, you know, basically eating what God gave Adam and Eve in the garden every day. Um, because I figured it was just real simple for me. I figured the original design was the best design. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I needed to do. I didn't need to make it complicated. Yeah. So that's what I started doing is eating, eating just a plant. When I, when you say plant-based, I mean, plant only. you know, plant vegetables, fruit. 
And I did that for six months. And, and, and I'm telling you, Pete, I, I pretty much dug out. Now, interesting enough, while I was in the state of where I had really bad uh, uh, vision issues, they had given me steroids. And so the steroids destroyed my cataract. They, they created cataracts and destroyed my cornea. Yeah. So I, at, at the worst state I was, I was 2,800 in both of my eyes. I, I was way blind. Yeah. Way blind. So I had to go through cataract surgery because the medication that they gave me destroyed my coins. And, and so I, had, I, I, went, I went through both, both of my eyes. I've had uh, cataract surgeries. And so it, it was an eye-opener for me at that point because it was more or less like, hey, you know, my dad died at 69, and, and, and I saw where he didn't take care of himself. And so it was a moment in time where I was so deep in a hole that I had to say, okay, Lord, or I need to dig out of this. Give me, give me the, the information I need. You know, I just can't sit around and hope, that, hope for the best. And, and rely on someone that has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of patients to take care of my health. That's just not going to work for me, you know. So, so I it took about six months, Pete, but I dug out and, and started feeling great, and um, you know, set a, a whole new path for the way I eat, the way I discipline. Every aspect of my life at that point in time. You know, we can talk about lifestyle, sleep, everything. I mean, I changed everything. I, with that whole year, I, I, you know, John John Gordon teaches, you know, hey, use a word for the year. Yeah. And my my word for the year was re-engineer. Sort of like the six million dollar, the old the old yeah. six million dollar man. Yeah. They built it. I was built back. Yeah. It was amazing, and it was amazing for me to sit back though and see the way my body healed itself. Yeah. And all inflammation and, and it went away, you know, and um, through nutrition and lifestyle and whatnot. And, and it, to see, you know, the, the, end, the, the ones that I want to inspire more than anything, Pete, is not somebody outside of my family. I want to inspire my wife, my daughter, my sons. Those are the people I want to inspire. And those are the people that were inspired the most, you know, out of this whole journey. But that kind of gives you a short, 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 you know. So how uh, old were you when when uh, that MS, uh, possible MS diagnosis happened? MS was only uh, like three or four years ago. So I was oh. probably 45, 46 years old. Okay. You know? um, so it, when, when they were going shaking their head. Because the thing is, is autoimmune is, is a mystery. You know, when you talk, when you talk in the medical world, if, it, if they have to fix something like a broken arm, I mean, you can't get any better than our health care. Yeah. But when they have to deal with something that that that's inflammation related or it's like, you know, I'm not sure what's causing this. Yeah. And you start throwing medication at it. It, it. It's a scary. It's really scary because, you know, I, I have friends and I see people around that get on one medication and they have to take another to offset that. And it's just this this ugly cycle. And I decided during that time that I was not, I was refusing to go in that direction, you know, and something had to change, you know, so. It's incredible. So I don't know if you know, so I have a son uh, who's now 25. He was diagnosed with Crohn's when he was 14. 
So for wow. his 14th birthday, he, he got a diagnosis of Crohn's and they pumped him with high doses of prednisone. He was on that for probably about eight months. And we, you know, finally said, no, we, we can't continue to do this because the doctor had no intent to ever take him off of it. So he went from a, I don't know, 85 pound, all 85 pound kid to about 135 pounds in a matter of no time because of the prednisone and just affected everything. So now at 25, just those eight months that he was on prednisone, um, he's still dealing with those effects of low bone density. His eyes are horrible um, from all that time. So he was, his glasses just continued to progress. Now, the thing is, he watches his diet and he's not taking any medication, which has now been 11 years since his diagnosis. And he's been fairly good, uh, knock on wood. We have not had, you know, operations like most kids have that are diagnosed before 18. So he took the mindset that one, he, you ask him now, he believe he says he doesn't have it. Now we know he still has it, but he has convinced himself that he doesn't have it and he's not going to use it as an excuse of why he can't do the things that he wants to do. Um, and then I have a mother who was diagnosed with Crohn's at age 70. And so the problem is she's the exact opposite. She has been on all these medicines. She had other health issues as well. Autoimmune diseases are a huge problem. Huge. Yeah. You know, you were right. It's about 100 autoimmune diseases, and we have about 23.5 million people that actually have autoimmune diseases. And so the numbers are huge, and we just need to do a better job. And, and, it's, and it's grown. It's getting worse. Like 20 years from now, it, 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 it'll be all astronomical. You know, the, the money that's thrown in the tree. But you made a point about your son, yeah. and that's something that 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 I discovered during this journey is like you have to believe that your body can heal itself. You have to believe you can dig out of this. Yeah. If you have the mindset that like you know that I'm gonna be taking this the rest of my life, you know I'm gonna be on this couch or I'm gonna be on you know this this island alone from ever. You probably are. You you know I, I'll be honest with you. I probably would be right there with. Yeah. But you have to believe that, um, you know, our creator made our body wonder. You're wonderfully made. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the thing is, it's like we weren't created for autoimmune. If you think about it, you start looking at external factors, you know, look at all the herbicides and, yeah. and, and the, uh, the insecticides and, and the stuff they put in food and heavy metals and all this stuff. It affects like me and your son. Yeah, we could sit down and eat a meal, and it would have, you know, multiple items in it that obviously we have no idea. Yeah, we could sit down and eat it, and you could sit down and eat it. We could have a completely different response than you, and so it's more or less how your body responds to these external troublemakers. Yeah, uh, you know, and once you pile them on over the years, it just gets worse and worse, you know, and then it opens up. Hashimoto's, you know, a thyroid issue, or what, you know, so it just gets worse, you know. Yeah. Um, so, are you only plant based? Um, now, I, I've shifted a little bit. I mean, I'm eating meat like, you know, three or four times a week now because I'm training so hard. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was to the point where I was pretty much um, vegetables and fruit all the time. But, um, now I'm starting to enter some grains and, and, and 
some uh, some fishes, some wild fishes, and, and uh, okay. you know, farm uh, raised uh, uh, chicken and different things. So I just started to feel uh, a little bit less um, every time I was. I, I felt like I needed to eat more so I could work out. You know, it wasn't necessary. A lot, a lot of people they 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 want to work out so they can eat. You know, and and I. <laughs> My concept is, no, I need to eat right yeah. so I can work out, you know. And so I learned, too, this is another point that I learned with food, Pete, during this whole process. Like, most people eat what they want, okay? And so, like, there's a disaster going on because you have this this American marketing. There's there's nothing like it. it it's, it's a two-edged sword. It, it can be one of the greatest things in the world. But most of the time, it's one of the worst things. So you have all this marketing. And so you have, you got this three-headed monster is what I call it. You have marketing of, of these foods that are that, that are horrible for us. Then you have the convenience of it all. Because we're so busy. Mm-hmm. We're not going to prioritize, sit down and prioritize. It, it takes a long time to be healthy. And, you know, it, that, that, it, it takes work. And then the one. So you take the three-headed monster. And you bring it together, and it's it's a disaster. Yeah. So what I look at food is, when I went through this process, I'm going to eat what my body needs. Mm-hmm. So when you take your wife out, or you know, a couple goes out at night, and they're driving out, and they don't know where they're going to go, what's the first thing they say? Where do you want to eat? Yeah. Where do you want to eat? And for me, it's different. What do I need to eat? Like, what do I need to eat to run that, you know, that interval run that I ran this morning? Well. Yeah. You know, going over here, you know, getting some, you know, barbecue ribs or whatever over here, it's not going to work out, you know. So, and, and again, I, I don't eat that way anyways, but yeah. um, I, I eat what I need. And what I found is when I eat what I need, it intersects with what I want. Because your body, when you eat what you need, it changes the palate and the way your body craves food. And so then it enter, what you want never intersects with what you need. Yeah. So you change it around and you eat what you need. Eventually, it'll be what you want. Yeah. And uh, and and I've taught that to my kids. If you eat the right foods, even though you may not want them, eventually you'll start craving the right foods. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of been my concept with food. You know. So have they fallen on? Are they uh, jumped on board with that? Yeah. My uh, my daughter. You know, she's eleven. Not not so much. Yeah. Um, I've got an older son, not so much, but my middle son, he, he's a kinesiology, a physical therapy major. Okay. So he's like, you know, big time. Well, he counts calories and high quality guy. And, and what, what, I, what, what me and him have talked a lot about lately is how people eat high caloric, mm-hmm. low nutrient food all day long. Yeah. And it's cheap and convenient. Again, it's a marketing thing. And so, I would rather eat high caloric, high nutrient food and invest the money that it costs to eat that way um, versus, you know, putting a little more in my 401k. Because yeah. if you don't have your health and you got a bunch of money in your 401k, it don't mean anything. <laughs> so those are the kind of conversations that him and I have all day. He, he's a college athlete and whatnot. Yeah. And so, uh, we're always constantly talking about food. <laughs> yeah. So. That's good. So we talked about your exercise. We've talked about food. Now, 
mindset. I know you're a pretty positive guy, at least what I see now. Was it always that case or what, what kind of flipped the switch? I, I was always kind of a positive guy. You know, I always look, you had mentioned uh, the glass half full, half empty. I always looked at the glass half full. You know, and, and what I've learned through this whole process is that, is that uh, mindset is, is one of those things that is a silent and cheap differential for life. And so we Americans, it, you know, you and I both know, I mean, we're, we're the land of, of plenty, you know, everything. So because we have so much stuff and we're so materialistic, it makes it so easy for us to, um, to be motivated to avoid discomfort. So we just create something new for more comfort. And so what's happened is we basically engineered discomfort out of society. And that's a problem because, you know, discomfort is a good thing. I used to have a professor always tell me adversity is you should make adversity your best friend, you know? And so um, when you, so during this process, I realized, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to get in a deeper, darker pit ever in my life. You know, I've walked through some long journeys obviously being in the military and different things like that, you know, I had some tough roads, but this pit was deeper and darker than I had ever been. And so, and a lot of it was my, my mindset was focused on me trying to be, make myself comfortable, (laughs) you know, seriously, trying to reach out. And um, most people are motivated. Their, their largest motivator is to avoid discomfort. Mm -hmm. I figured, hey, if my largest motivator is is to hit discomfort head on, then I'll be different than everybody else, you know, and, and, and not inspire people. And so I I developed that through this process, and I and I, you know, and my family's gotten on board. My son, you know, his mindset is um, off the charts. You know, he's he's grinding every day, and, and just you know, as a twenty year old, to develop a mindset like that is is a, a huge advantage, but. So, so for me, it's like, and, 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 and I look at it this way, Pete, if I want to be, you know, I, I, I expect myself to perform like an Olympian. Okay. So every day, and this is up until when I was sick, I expected myself to perform like an Olympian, but I wouldn't do in the work mm-hmm. to, to put myself in, you know, in Olympic form. Yeah. And so I was expecting, you know, all these outcomes and, and getting disappointed because, hey, you know, my body's not doing this. I can't think I'm got brain fog. You know, I can't do this. I put on all this weight, but I was treating it like I was a, in recreational, like life was recreation. So the mindset change for me was I need to think and act like an Olympian. Like I'm at the gate at the Derby in Kentucky. And, you know, how am I going to get to that finish line? And after I get to the finish line, I'm going to keep running. So that that kind of changed during this process. Is, and, and I try to encourage people. And I have so many friends um, that I talk to all the time that, that life obviously really beats, beats them down pretty hard. But yeah. it's those things where if you, if you, think, if you think negative, then it's probably going to, the outcome's probably going to be negative. Yeah. But if you start thinking in the right direction, 
and you start thinking more positive, then then good things start to happen. And it's just, and it was like the nutrition side, you know, then I it reached every aspect of my life, you know, just this 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 go get them grind mindset, you know, that um, and it was one of those things where um, it started to become contagious, yeah. you know. And you know, and the opposite can be said. You know, I, you you can be around people where the, a negative mindset can become contagious. It spreads like a wildfire. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, we're in such a negative uh, society. I think right now it's so divisive. So you know, that's why I said I love your your Facebook posts again. The positivity, positivity. You know, we need more of that out there because you're right. Um, is there's too many people trying to drag drag you down and you know you basically just have to ignore that and you know tunnel vision and again you keep going forward and you know surround yourself by people that are like-minded and also have that that kind of pick each other up you know we're not pushing anybody down we're picking each other up you know just it's all about inspiration the other thing too pete is during this process is um and, and this this is kind of my wife giggles when i talk about this but I've kind of put myself in a hunter-gatherer mentality, okay? So what do I need every day to exist? You need food, shelter, air, water, clothing. And see, what happens is we get caught up in this materialistic society, and we're thinking way past just food, shelter, just the basics. Mm -hmm. We're thinking over here, this big house, this big car, you know, that you know, running with these people over here or doing this. And we, we forget to be grateful and thankful for the food, shelter, air, you know, and keep it simple. So when I wake up every morning, I'm going back to the caveman days. I'm, I'm going to, to gather food, you know, for that day. Keep it simple. Yeah. And what I found is like my joy and contentment are all, during this process to, to go back to the health issue. Mm-hmm. During this process, my wife and I decided that we were basically going to sell everything. So we had several homes at the time, cars, different things. We sold everything. The only thing we, the kids thought we were going to sell them. You know, we <laughs> got rid of everything that we felt that didn't add value to our lives. Yeah. Because of that, we've inspired people. They've asked questions. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I, can, I have friends that are very wealthy. But they're not even close to as happy as I am, you know, and, and content and grateful. And so it's like it's one of those things where I figured out that money definitely is not the factor that that puts a smile on my face, you know. So it's more or less, you know, that that simplicity, living life in a si- simple way, you know, and challenging yourself and, and, and expecting more of yourself every day. And so that's kind of. That's the mindset that I kind of live by and living right now. Yeah, I love it. I think that's good because, you know, the thing is, tomorrow's not guaranteed, you know. Absolutely. So uh, I got to enjoy today. So who motivates you? Do you have anybody in particular? Yeah, there's some guys, you know, um, that are in the uh, personal development um, uh, space that I listen to quite a bit. Um, I have to say that I contribute a lot of, of what I say, how I think, what I do. Guys like John Maxwell, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you've heard of Ed Milet and 
different guys like that are just kind of motivators. And but you know, at the same time, you know, I gather a lot of the information and I kind of, you know, you you I try to watch people where there's not a whole lot of line too. So I I watch people that just do the right things day after day and get no credit for it and try to follow. And, and so, you know, I've got several people like that that you would that remain nameless yeah. that motivate me because they just do what they do. They're not they're not out for you know. Uh, credit or limelight or you know um, grant Instagram likes or different things like that. You know, it's more or less they just do the right things every day. So I'm I'm inspired by those people as well. You know, <clears throat> those quiet leaders are they're they're amazing. So absolutely, absolutely. You know, it was fun. growing up. My father was always he's a positive guy. He was always sending me stuff to you know, John Maxwell, when he came out and everybody else, he would send me stuff all the time. And sometimes I would watch, I would listen to it. Sometimes I wouldn't. Now I, I soak in every bit of it now that I can um, at this point in my life. Um, but my dad, from the time I was little, was always, there's good examples and there's good, bad examples. So those good, bad examples of how people were living their life were basically to show me that's not how you want to live your life. And he would say, look, son, there's that good, bad example. Um, so I just, I remember that as a kid, it's one of those things that sticks with me every single day. And I tried to teach that to my kids as well is that, you know, just pay attention. They're there and we can learn from the good ones and the bad ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I'm with you there. <laughs> now you said you journal. Now do you set goals every day or weekly? How do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Basically, the way I look at goals for me, they may be etched on in stone. Like we have, my wife and I have some financial goals right now that are etched. You know that, you know, math. There's math applied to them, different things like that. Um, but most of the real meaningful go goals are actually growth areas for me. So it's more or less I set. You know, I I, I want to expose myself in this area and grow more in this area. It's not so much like a goal, one, two, three, four. Yeah. So I look at, um, you know, reading books, exposing myself to different, you know, during the whole COVID deal, you know, I, I made a big effort to listen to multiple sources. You know, um, I think that's part of the polarization problem is that people would get so polarized in one direction mm -hmm. and just fed information just about direction they're going in and uh and then you know the hate and you know all that would come because basically they've allowed themselves to go down that path where i i'm making an effort and and, it, and again that's not so much a goal is it yeah. as it is also growth personal growth so you know, i i hear what they're saying i hear what they're saying and i get yeah. both I, I get it all you know i it's it's just a tough time or whatever you know and so um more or less trying trying to kind of see everybody's side, see, you know, and so, but I do set goals. Like I was going to, uh, a while back ago, I was going to show you. One day I came up with this graph. I can show you. You can see this. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Graph. yeah. And basically what I have here is this is my quality of life graph. Okay. okay. So I was, I think I was up in Richmond at the time when I drew this. But basically, there's the x x axis is age, so 10, 20, 30, 40, age. Very simple graph. The 
the y-axis is the quality of life, zero to 10, okay? And so, and this this is the kind of stuff that I journal and different things that yeah. I, I, I would share. That, that may be helpful to some of the yeah. listeners. So, you know, typically when you're born, your first couple of years, you know, you you know, you can see here on this, I'll show you. Yeah. You can, I'll bring yeah, you. Yeah, I can see it. You know, where you're on a 10, you know, you're first, you know, you know, Zero to ten, you know, you're just running around life. There, there's no worries or whatnot. So your quality life is pretty good. And the normal, normal people, they start dropping. You know, they start dropping a little bit. And and I got here by age sixty. You know, they're on like a three or four scale. Yeah. And, you know, age eighty, you know, they're on one or two scale. And so during all this, and this was one of my goals yeah. or growth, is I drew a graph of what I wanted in my life. Yeah, you can see here. Um, yeah, it, you know that all that volume of life there. Yeah, this, this is my graph. Yeah. So basically, I drew a picture. You know, I was on the same pathway, and I hit yeah. thirty, started really dropping with the health issues. And at forty, I, you know, it was I was lower than what would be normal. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the change, the mind, you know, the, yeah, obviously the mindset, this the awakening, all that. And so then my life, then then I then I drew my quality of life up to 10 and all the way over to 80, 10. I'm gonna live life as a 10. Yeah. And um during this process when I was writing this in my journal in in, in writing this goal, one thing I understood is that you know you and I both know everything from a marketing standpoint that we, we see every day is you can attain something. By, by taking a magic pill or, you know, this is an easy pathway to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, you you know, and that's what we're told every day. Yeah. But what I've realized is like, that is so far from the truth. Yeah. For, in order for me, from a growth standpoint, to maintain a quality lifestyle like that, it's going to take some pain. Yeah. You know? And so most people are looking for a painless solution. They don't want, they don't want pain. They don't want to change. And so for me, I know that in order in this growth, this growth goal that I have, in order for me to attain that, it's going to take some pain and effort. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I've laid that on the co- on the table and said, hey, this is what I'm going to have to do yeah. so that I, you know, walk, you know, physically be 100 percent connected when I walk my daughter down the aisle one day. Yeah. When I go to my son's soccer games. You know, and then when one day when I have grandkids, I can throw the kayak over my head and jump in the water with them. You know, those are that's what I see. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's not you know, hey, you know, I'm going to lose some weight, I'm going to look better or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. You know. Yeah. It's 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 everything about the future legacy that the you know Compton family will will hold to. You know that that I was I was a, a patriarch in that family. And that generations look back at, you know, Corey and say, we can do it because he did. Yeah. And so that, that it's it's about leaving legacy, you know. And so that's where my goals, that's where they kind of come in peak. They kind of supersede what I'm doing here on work, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I love that graph, you know. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I have a combination. I don't you know, Brandon Bouchard. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I listen to his podcast. I've listened to it for a while. And, you know, he evalu- every Sunday he evaluates his week. And then um, so I take that 
different aspects of my life. But then also I had interviewed Andy Layton, who had uh, Parkinson's. So every day, every email, he played pickleball. So he's a couple episodes back. He, uh, and, I, I, I heard that one. I need to go back to that one. You do. Andy's incredible. So basically he had Parkinson's. Um, he was a tennis player, ended up having Parkinson's, and then started playing pickleball with his wife. And that's how he overcomes his Parkinson's, by playing pickleball. And so he and every email that he sent me was basically Andy Layton won Parkinson's zero. So he scored himself every day that his day was. Yeah. So he scored one, one zero. He was always, his goal was to always be the one and Parkinson was always going to be zero. And uh, so I kind of take that and take um, Brandon's uh, mindset. And basically I just evaluate myself on like 10 things every Sunday. And I try to do a day to day family, my wife, uh, work, just exercise, mind, body, spirit, all that type of stuff. And then I value it at one zero and then I, but I'm honest. And then I see, okay, what do I need to work on? Where did I fail today? Where did I fail this week? Uh, just to try to, again, to be honest with myself that I'm not just uh, skating through, you know, and it, it makes me, well, I think my marriage is a whole lot better. I think my relationship with my kids is a whole lot better. I think I'm better at work. And it also forces me to exercise when I don't want to exercise um, and take that time to pray and meditate. So I, that's how what I end up doing. I love your thing. I love that graph because, again, we need something visual sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing, too, Pete, you, you, you know, you said people pay for energy. Yeah. So, like, I figured, like, I'll be more valuable if I have more energy. And how does that energy work? Well, it's not just, you know, eating physically right, but it's mentally, the mental energy. The positive mental energy, um, just, you know, if, if, if you're putting a priority to your family, you're putting a, and, and all that energy that comes with that, your commitment to your faith, all that energy, you know, and, and so people buy into energy, you know, that that's why people get excited about going to a concert because it's energized. And so, you know, I, I, I want to inspire people through energy because that's really what it's all about. That, you know, dollars come with energy. And so. For me, it's like, you know, I want to risk, um, live the rest of my life inspiring others by living their best life. To be, live their best life, don't 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 allow yourself to go down, you know, and live at a one or two quality for twenty years. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. allow yourself. Your body is way more capable of that, mm. you know. So that's what I, you know, I try to inspire people. Like you can do this. You get first. You got to get your mind in line. Yeah. And then your body will come. Your body will obey what your what, yeah. what your mind tells you to do. You know how it is, Pete. If you're yeah. you're running, you always have your body always has forty percent more. To <laughs> yeah. your mind, your mind, your mind is strong enough to tell it to go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you'll do it. You know, you got to be strong enough to tell it though. <laughs> exactly. You know, you've been in races where it's like, hey, I'm done. You know, well, maybe not. You know, I got a little bit more left. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm trying to get people in. You got more left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So I think you already answered this a little bit, but where where do you see yourself at 75? What what's if we looked at a picture, what's Corey look like? You know, at 75, well, I'm hoping to have multiple grandkids. Yeah. And I'm hoping to be able to um I, you know, the thing is it's like, you know, as I, I see pe people age around me. Um, the one thing that I see when people age is 
like, you know, we all make excuses, but as people age, typically you add, you, you have this tendency to make more excuses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so at 75, I want to be without, I want to be living without excuse. You know, uh, well, I can't do this because I feel this way or I don't have, I don't have, you know, the energy to do it or whatnot. I, I want to, that's, that's kind of what my goal is, is to, is to be 75 with no excuse, you know, and, and, and just be there for the grandkids, the family, and whatnot. And the day I, I want to die like um, Jack Lane, you know Jack. Yeah. You know, Jack yeah. Ninety six, I think he worked out the day before he died. He he worked out, and then the next day he had like a little cold. Yeah. And died, you know, resp respiratory duress. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he, he just he took care of himself all his life. You know, I, obviously that's not insurance. That yeah. you're going to do this long. We, we, we know that. But at, yeah. But the, the way I look at it is I have one body. Mm -hmm. My temple. And, and the only thing, the only thing I have control over is, is how much I move it, what I put in it, what I think. I, I'm the only one that has control over it. Yeah. And so if it's a mess, I'm the only one that, that's the blame. You know, so that's kind of the way I look at that, you know. So that's kind of why at 65, I don't want to be making excuses, you know, <laughs> or 75, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to be, uh, I want to have my grandkids chasing after me, you know, not the other way around, you know, yeah. I, that's the thing is I'm not going to be that guy sitting in that, in that rocker, you know, they're going to, they're going to see me doing stuff. And so again, if I can hopefully inspire them to, to actually take up an active lifestyle, then, Hey, that's, they're going to have to, they're going to have to chase me. You know, the other thing to be thinking of 75, because that's typically yeah. years after most people retire. The, the, the sad thing is, you know, most people work all their life to retire, right? So they can they can enjoy enjoy life, you know, mm -hmm. comfortably. And so it's like I found that most people you know spend um uh or spend their health all their life until they retire and they have this goose egg and then they have this goose egg and then they spend the goose egg to retain their health after they retire. So it's like the complete, I'm the, I'm on the complete opposite. Yeah. So I may not have a whole lot of money when I retire, <laughs> but, but the health and the, in the investment there, because it is, it is, your health is an investment. Well, people don't understand, like, you know, if you eat valuable, high dense, high quality foods, for six months, your body doesn't forget that. There's reserves that your body that stores. And so just little bits at a time, yeah. you know, people need to get discouraged. They just, you know, you eat that way. Your body, you, your body loves you for it. And, and, yeah. and it does hold reserves. And um, and so that's kind of, you know, I'm building up reserves from when I turn <laughs> 75, you know. <laughs> I love it. You know, to kind of piggyback on that is, you know, so I'm in healthcare, so I see patients of all ages and it's amazing all my 90 plus year old which are plenty you know we have a good percentage at one point i think i had probably 25 percent of my caseload that i see um that was over 90 and i can promise you every one of them never stopped so they retired they became act probably more active and they uh never stopped the ones that were sick and never made it through their 70s were the ones that basically just retired, stopped, went and sat on the couch and did absolutely nothing. And then disease kind of took over. 
Um, and then, you know, they never made it into their full retirement. So that's a huge lesson, I think, for all of us is that don't stop. You just can't stop. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, we had talked a, a little bit about quotes and different things. But one, yeah. of, one of the quotes, and, and I got this from one of the, one of the guys in, uh, in the personal development space that I, I, I listened to, is if you choose a life that is easy, Unfortunately, you will find that it will be very difficult for you. But if you choose a difficult life and you put your body to the test, your mind, everything, you will find that life will be easy. And so just that concept, that's a foreign concept. Mm -hmm. but it's like, it, it definitely, you know, would go in line with what you just said. You know, these people staying active, you know, doing things that would perceive to be like, well, why are you doing? Why are you going there? Why are you out walking? Why are you doing this? You know. And um, you should be laying at the beach. You worked hard all those years, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just ramping it up. Yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. I did this and that. I'm just starting to ramp. I'll be honest with you now, Pete. I'm in, be I'm in better fitness than I'm now than I was in my 20s. Yeah. You know, for somebody who says, well, you age your body. No, that's not true. You know, you, if you keep your body and you treat it like, you know, like an Olympian, yeah. you'll you, You'll, you'll be blown away at what it can do at older ages. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I joke that I'm not even hit my peak yet. I'm still on the way up. Come 70, I'm going to be that guy. I'll be winning everything. Yeah, age group Ironman's at 70, right? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, no. I can see that for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't want to keep you much longer. I appreciate you taking time, but I typically end every uh, episode with, you know, you, I use that hashtag, my miles are four, as a way to reinforce to me why I do the things I do. What is it for you? Well, you know, I had touched a little bit on this during the time, but um, for me, the miles and just getting out there and, 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 uh, you know, putting my body to the test and different things. There there's, would be no reason if, if it was just all about me. You know, if I made it all about me, it would, you know, when people do that over time, that when you make life about you, it, you know, life is, is born, you know, and life, there's just something that's missing. And so when I went through what I went through, I made life about my family about others. Why did I do what I did? Well, I did it because, you know, my love for my wife, or I did it because, you know, like I said, I want, I, I want to be there the day that my daughter, you know, I walk my daughter down the aisle or the first time when, when she brings over that, that boy, I want him to be shaking in his, in his, you know, this guy's a Marine. He's still a Marine <laughs> you know, you know, or, 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 you know, when my son, he gets married one day and, and has grandkids and yeah. you know, that and that and every day, you know, every day for me, life is a choice. Mm -hmm. So like when I you know, when I'm out and I'm hungry and whatnot and I'm about to make a bad choice, those are the things I think about. Well, what about, you know, one day when you know you're at your daughter's wedding and you're not fit, you know, you, you need to make a good choice. So then I'm driven by that, that whole and, and so, you know, the why thing becomes a cliche in this day and age, but it's so true. The purpose of why I do my miles is so much deeper than just, you know, I want to get in shape or I want to run a race or, 
you know, I want to compete in this arena or whatever. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not going to kid you. I'm a competitor too as well. Yeah. But it's more or less like, I, you know, I ran this marathon or that distance or whatever because I want to prove to my daughter that I'm going to be there for her. Or I'm a, I want to prove to my son that he can do it. He can overcome it. You know, he can lift that weight or he, because his dad did. Or, you know, my wife, you know, you know, you you want to get better in a certain area. Well, you can do it because, you know, your husband did that or, or your son or brother or whatever. Yeah. So use that, those miles as inspiration to say, you know, um, that, you know, that's really what it's all about for me. It's, you know, it's about making that connection to, to something outside of myself, you know, so. Corey, I love it. I'm so glad that I reached out to you. I'm so glad you said yes. Um, this was awesome. I, I appreciate it. Yes, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, maybe we can do it again one day. You know? <laughs> when we're 75. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're doing. Right? We need to challenge each other in an upcoming race. Pete. Yeah, that's it, you know. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to gain some insight onto how one weathering athlete approaches each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. I believe his biggest strength is his willingness to look at the positive and to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm guessing he may have always been like that, but I'm sure his time in the military aided as well. Before I go any further, I need to thank him and all those that have served in the military. Your sacrifice for our country needs to be recognized, and I am grateful for your commitment. When it comes to health, Corey provides so many lessons regarding the benefits that lifestyle changes can make. There are over 100 autoimmune diseases affecting over 23.5 million Americans. We have yet to touch the surface on what the exact causes are of most of them. But what we do know is that chronic inflammation has a significant role in exacerbating all of them. Corey's adoption of a lifestyle that includes a low inflammatory, mostly vegetable diet, exercises that dynamically challenges the musculoskeletal and nervous system has helped him to make significant strides to better health. But I think his greatest attribute is his positive mindset. His daily commitment to attitude and gratitude with family and life is the lesson that we can all benefit from. I look forward to being a witness to the amazing things he is doing and to be a part of a few more training sessions, rucks, and races as we work to push boundaries and be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider joining our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, give me a rating on iTunes, leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, MyMilesAreFour, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Keep perusing.